example of how for us to deal with opposition. How many have found opposition against you in your life? Sometimes it could be family members, sometimes it could be friends and acquaintances. Once you fall in love with Yeshua, your whole life changes, amen? Amen. Let us turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. And we'll be beginning in verse 14. I shared on this continued uh, message here. This is a continuation of a message that I shared uh, two weeks ago. So we're in Matthew chapter 12, verse 14. So it's amazing. As, as you're trying to write sermons from time to time, there's some portions that overlap with others as they are hooked together. So let us begin in Matthew chapter 12, verse 14. But the Pershim, which are the Pharisees, went out and began to plot how that they may draw away Yeshua to do away with him. After this, he left that area. Many people followed him, and he healed them all, but warned them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what is spoken through Yeshayahu, which is Isaiah the prophet. And this is what Isaiah the prophet declared by and underneath the anointing and the direction of the Spirit of the living God. Here is my servant in whom I've chosen, my beloved with whom I'm well pleased. I will put my spirit on him, and he will announce justice to the nations. Some translations say to the Gentiles. Both are true. He will not fight or shout, nor will, he, will we hear his voice in the streets. He will not snap off a broken reed or snuff out a smoldering wick until he has brought justice through to victory. In him, the nations and the Gentiles will put their hope. And it just seems like part of the word here is kind of put out of context. But what the Lord is doing is he's affirming to everyone that knows the scriptures, okay, the passages of the Tanakh of who he truly is. For he is proclaiming himself as, as what? Adonai over Shabbat in the verses that, that I shared the last time when I spoke on this subject. Yeshua's conduct towards those who opposed him revealed his true nature as Messiah sent from Abba, Father God. Today's passage is the most important passages in the good news because it reveals the truth about the character of Yeshua. Now, there are people here that you saw as we came into the hotel room here at the Double Tree, our meeting place, people dressed up as what? Multiple characters, right? Those of you who are listening on the podcast, what we have here is there's a convention of people who are dressed as caricatures of cartoon uh, characters from Japan, all right? And so it's amazing how people want to have a certain character that's beyond their own character. You know what we're promised in Scripture? As we die to ourselves and we rise anew in Messiah, that his image, his likeness, and his character is what he's, that, that the Spirit of the living God is transforming us into. So those people who are out here, they're searching, right? Because they don't want to live in their old character, but they want to have a new character. And you know what's amazing? Many of those characters that they're following after have what? They have superpowers, right? But what do we as Messianic believers have? 
we have the character of a Messiah, the greatest character who is actually revelation of a father God that we desire to be like. And with that comes with, with superpowers, but not superpowers of man's imagination, but superpowers of the one true God, amen? As we're being what? As we being people being filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, walking in the power and strength of Almighty God, Abba, Father, God. Amen? So you may think, how did you ever get that illustration? But here's a living illustration between, before us today. All right? So let us continue. Because it reveals the truth about the character of Yeshua, our Messiah, and the mission that he fulfilled that are the great importance, and it is truly awesome what Yeshua has done. The timing for these words is very significant in the growing of the opposition to Messiah Yeshua's message, and it's against his ministry, was growing at this point. And you may say to yourself, who would dare to oppose the representation, the son of the one and only true living God? It seems like foolishness, does it not? But Yeshua, was, what he was doing is he's speaking to these Pharisees and the common people, the Sadducees, and the other religious leaders. The Essenes were on living at that time. There were many other breakoffs of biblical Judaism. And so Yeshua was dealing with all these factions here. But he was revealing the true interpretation of what a man who lives after God's own heart Think about the correlation of David. He tried to be a man after God's own heart according to his own flesh because he had not received the spirit of the living God as we have been blessed to this point. And so with that, here was a man after God's own heart, his eternal son, representative of Abba, Father God, who is presenting to the people there the true interpretation how a man is to what? Live out Torah in his life as Yeshua did. Amen? So let us continue. Yeshua had healed a man on Shabbat in, in the synagogue. That's found in Matthew 12, 9 through 13. Prior to this, he had been approached by the, the Pharisees, the Pershim, because he and his Talmudim, his disciples, had walked through the grain of field and had rubbed the heads of grain together and they'd, they'd eaten it. By the Pershim's opinion, the Pharisees' opinion of Torah, they were breaking the Torah observance of Shabbat. Why? Because what they were doing was they were separating the wheat and the chaff, and they were eating a form of work. Yeshua revealed to the, the Pershim, the Pharisees, that he himself was Adonai, the Lord of Shabbat. He then presented himself as a one who had authority even over Shabbat. He had proven this authority by the fact that he healed a man during Shabbat in the very synagogue of these local Purushim, these very these local Pharisees, all right? Remember, this was not all the religious leaders throughout all of Israel, but this was just a small village where he was ministering, okay? Because sometimes when people read the Brit Hadashah, it appears that all the leaders, and that's not true. Because there was Nicodemus and there were others that were confronted by the power of God being manifested through this godly prophet who Yeshua was, that no one had seen. And you know what? In their minds, what was going on? Maybe this is the one where the scripture declares. 
And if we, would, if we go back to our Torah reading today, out of Davarim chapter 33, excuse me, 30, 32 through 34, in that it says this, that, that, that God had raised up a prophet, and his name was Moshe, that God, the only prophet that God saw face to face through Yeshua, his son. And what was promised to the people that one day in the future, Mashiach would come, Messiah would come, and he would be like Moshe in that he spent time in the presence, face to face with God. And this was Yeshua, his son. And so this is what is playing in the minds of men like Nicodemus and other men who are Pharisees, all right? But they're searching after the truth. Let us continue. Matthew 12, 14. But the Purishim went out and began to plotting how they would might do away or destroy Yeshua. There are times when we have to look at the scripture and look at even closer. And that's what we're about to do. The fact that he'd healed a man had ended the man's suffering meant nothing to these perishing. They could care less. Here was a miracle that was done right before their eyes. And I say this to you. In the synagogue here, where people had been spending time in prayer and the, and the, and the, and the Torah had been shared and then explained into detail. And the presence of the living God is there. And when God, one of God's holy prophets were there. And during the service, he was moved by the spirit of the living God to go towards this man who had a withered hand. And by the power and the anointing of God, that man was instantly healed. All right? So this was proof, undeniable proof. What day is it? It's during Shabbat. What presence are they in? The presence of the living God. And if Abba, Father God, was displeased with what his son had done, that man would have not received his instantaneous healing. So what are the parashim saying what Yeshua heals by? But by Hasatan, the devil. See, here's the separation. Here before their eyes. But I know this, if Nicodemus was part of that assembly that day, that would be the point there where he would inquire of the Lord. Is this truly the Mashiach? Is this truly the one that you promised would come, like who, who walked in the authority of Moshe and saw you face to face? Is this the Mashiach? Is this the promised one? You see, we have all these things in the scriptures. And these people that were listening, even the common people, they knew what the Torah said. And so Yeshua is now explaining all these things in detail to them. Let's continue. The only thing that mattered to them, the Pershing, was the fact that Yeshua did so on the Shabbat. And therefore violating their rules about keeping God's day of rest. This was their opinion on rules. Have you ever been in a congregation where you've heard the word of God preached and then all of a sudden that man or woman ask you to have sworn allegiance to their interpretation of what was taught and that alone? We are to be like what? The men of Berea who searched the scriptures. When Rav Shaul, it declares, when he went and he 
preached and he taught among them, and they saw the miracles that God wrought through them, you know what they did? They didn't go by the signs or the wonders. They searched the scriptures to see whether or not these words that Paul was speaking and his interpretation of the holy scriptures was yes and amen. All right? That's what God wants us to do. So anything that I say or anyone says, they share the scripture, the interpretation, the application. You are to go before the spirit of the living God and apply only what he desires for you to, to apply. Otherwise, you're following after a man or woman's religion. And that's what Yeshua is doing here. Because the Pharisees, they went to the far extreme here. Because here was what? Yeshua, their, their literal representative of Abba, Father God, a prophet of God doing miracles that they had never seen because they were familiar with Eliyahu, Elijah, and Elisha, and the miracles that they wrought. But here was a man that was doing it daily, continuing daily. He was healing the people. Let's continue. The opposition against Yeshua was growing. It was now taking a deadly turn. Some of the Persian, the Pharisees, and religious leaders, did you hear what I said? Some, not all all right, had set into motion plans to destroy him, plans that would lead to his death on a tree. Next, we read that this very unusually, usually seemingly unimportant insertion into the story. It's like all of a sudden, the story changes. It's like the author has lost their mind, they lost their trying of thought, and they've lost their focus. But you know when these insertions are done from time to time in Scripture as you study them? What it does is pointing to the fulfillment that is written in the Tanakh, all right? Remember this. People are not reading the Brit Hadashah. It has not been written yet. They're actually living it. So what they're going by is what? The Tanakh, the Old Testament, those holy scriptures. That's what they're interpreting all this by, all right? And so as we as believers today, we have what? Both the Tanakh... And we have the Brit Hadashah to interpret whether things are truly of the Lord. Is his name highly lifted up? Is he exalted? Or is it a person that is exalted? Yeshua said, if he be lifted up, then he will draw all peoples unto him. We, in the body of Messiah, we fall into what? Idol worship of men and women. Godly men and women. You know what's amazing? As you would finish today's um, Torah reading, you know what happens at the end? Moshe goes up upon that mountain, and he sees the promised land. He cannot enter because he sinned against God Most High. You know what the scripture says? That Adonai himself, and I believe this is Yeshua himself, was Moshe's pallbearer. They know what mountain he was buried on, but you know, to this day, they have not found the bones of Moshe. Why? Because people enter into idol worship. God does not want a person or a man to take the place of him or his son in our lives. We're to worship Adonai and him alone. Amen? Let's continue. Matthew 12, verse 15. Aware of this, Yeshua left that area. So that's how he dealt with the opposition. Because you know what? He knew it was not his day or his hour. But if he pressed in... They would go talk to other Pharisees, and you know what? His ministry on earth would have been short-lived. See, there's times to engage with the opposition, and there's times to back off. 
And the spirit of the living God exhorts us in that. And he gives us wisdom and knowledge. Have you ever tried to uh, lead a fellow family member into Messiah? And you press in, you press in, you pour scripture upon scripture. And it, it almost appears to them like you're beating them over their heads with the scriptures. All right? That's us in our flesh, wanting that person to know Messiah. But as we mature as believers, we learn to share a little bit, back off, allow the spirit of living God to lead them in all truth, to convict their hearts. And that's what Yeshua is doing because he had power and authority to do things unto these people. Let's continue. Verse 16, but he warned them. Excuse me, I got to go back to 15. Aware of this, Yeshua left the area. But many people followed him, and he healed them all. Listen to that. The religious leaders that they were following were saying that he was healing by the power of Beelzebub, Hasatan. Okay? And here they saw the truth of Torah being lived out before them in the life of Yeshua. And it said that they came to him, and he healed them all. Continuing. But he warned them not to make him known. Why? Because it was not his time. Verse 17. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through Yeshayahu Isaiah, the prophet. It says here, here is my servant whom I've chosen, my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. I will put my spirit on him and he will announce justice to the nations and he will not fight or shout. Did you ever hear the passage there where Yeshua threw a punch at somebody? No. And he did not shout. All right? It says that his voice would not be heard in the streets. That's the next verse here. No one will hear his voice in the streets. He spoke very, very calmly to people. Verse 20. He will not snap off a broken reed or snuff out a smoldering wick until he has brought justice through to victory. In him, in him the nations will put their hope. The importance of this passage is that it reveals the character of Yeshua's ministry, which is being described by Matthew, Matthew throughout the good, the good news that he's sharing. It helps us understand why Yeshua, for most of his ministry, kept distance from the religious leaders who opposed him. It just appeared, hey, he's a coward. But you know what? He's giving them opportunity here. He engaged them. He proclaimed, he demonstrated God's power through the healing of this man. But you know what? God will not inflict on our own free will. So that when we come before him and we worship and we want to receive him, it's out of purity. Let's continue. In the book of Matthew, Yeshua doesn't go to Jerusalem to do ministry until chapter 21. Until those three years or three and a half years had passed. He'd gone there from time to time to celebrate the feasts, but he did not engage in all-out ministry. It was in order for him to submit himself to death on the execution stake, beginning in chapter 21 as he proceeded down that path. Even though a great and powerful multitude of people followed Yeshua, he was nevertheless, he didn't come to fight or to do battle with some of the religious leaders of the day. And that's why as we as believers today, when the Lord wants you to engage with other people, 
Allow the spirit of living God to lead you. Otherwise, you'll do it out of your flesh. And you know who will gain the victory? Hasatan. Because there are times when brothers and sisters of Messiah disagree on a doctrinal issue. You know what the best thing is to do then? To agree where you can agree and separate and go build the kingdom together. Amen? Yeshua did not come to do battle with those who opposed him. Instead, he came to teach the truths about his father's kingdom to those who would hear him. Many times he says, for those who have ears, let them hear. In other words, are you searching? Are you searching for Abba, Father God? Are you searching for his presence? Are you searching for him? And then he went and he, do- he died on the tree so that sinners may become citizens of that kingdom. The scriptures also prove something else about Yeshua. In it, Matthew reminds us that long before Yeshua came, Abba Father God told the people of Israel what kind of a Messiah he would be. Matthew here gives proof that Yeshua came and he fulfilled the kind of ministry that Abba Father God said he would and did. And so in the very manner of the scriptures, it was promised. <coughs> Excuse me. Matthew, Matthew, who wrote his good news primarily to the Jewish people, was proving that even though some of the Jewish leaders, did you hear that? Some of the Jewish leaders rejected Yeshua. He truly is the Messiah that the scriptures promised that he would be. His manner towards those who opposed him revealed his true nature as the Messiah sent from Abba, Father God, and sets the tone for what Matthew then goes on to tell us in the rest of the good news, the Gospel of Matthew. How Yeshua dealt with opposition. (coughs) Yeshua's handling of his opponents, as it is found throughout the good news, is a fascinating thing to think about. We read in Yohanan's account, that is John's account, that when Yeshua was arrested in the garden on the Mount of Olives, he talked to both Roman soldiers and some of the temple guards. And he asked them this question, whom do you want? They said, Yeshua from Nazareth. He said, I am. They went backward and they fell flat on the ground. Okay? Just by a spoken word. And what was that declaration? He was declaring before the Romans and before the temple guards and everyone assembled, I am that I am. And when he said that word, in the presence and that authority, what happened? They fell backwards flat on their backs and they could not move. Continuing. Then, of course, they got up and they arrested him. But what a subtle subtle display of his power that was before them. Can you imagine that? Some police officers going and arresting someone. The person turns to them and says, I am. They fall flat on their backs and they can't move. What courage these Romans and these temple guards had rising up. But what they saw was someone who was meek. Someone who was lowly. Someone who was about to do the Father's will. What are we to be? The same. When I speak of meekness, that is not weakness. That is walking in the power and authority. When to speak, when not to speak. When to do, when not to do. 
That is what true meekness is. That means that you're being led by the reins of the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of the living God, and how greatly that man and woman of God and child of God can be used by the Lord as they're being reined in and shown where to turn left or right as they walk in the presence of the Lord. That's where their testimony is pure and holy unto the Lord. Yeshua could have spoken the word and left those who came to arrest him flat on the ground to stay or even worse. He could have just said, stop breathing, and they would have all died. Consider now how Shimon Kepha, Simon Peter, in Matthew 26, 51 through 53, at, it says at the same time, at the one of the men with Yeshua reached out with his sword and he drew it out and he struck the servants of the Kohen Haggadah on his ear. He cut off his ear. And if you read in Yohanan, John 18.10, it gives us the name of that servant. His name is Mechlach, M-E-L-E-K-H. That's what's beautiful about reading the good news. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is that you're able to get parts of the story and put them all together. Yeshua healed him in Luke 22.50. But Matthew does not mention that. Verse 52 of Matthew 12. Yeshua said to Kepha, put your sword back in where it belongs, for everyone who uses a sword will die by the sword. Verse 53. Don't you know that I can ask my father, and he will instantly provide more than a dozen armies or legions of angels to help me? It is written in scripture of the Old Testament that just one angel alone was able to kill 185,000 soldiers of the Assyrian army in one night. That's 2 Kings 19.35. What could 12 armies or 12 legions of angels do? Probably wipe out the whole populace of the whole world. Continuing. If it had been Yeshua's will, he could have called for a great number of mighty angels to come out of heaven at his bid. Because they were all standing at attention, these angels in heaven, swords drawn and eagerly ready to come rushing to the earth at his command. But he did not issue any such order. Instead, the almighty Melech, king of heaven, refrained from calling his angelic army. Instead, meekly, he allowed himself to be taken captive. Can you imagine that? The creator creator of the universe is about to lay his life and give his life. No one took his life. That's where anti-Semitism is based on. They say, well, the Jewish people, they're the ones that killed God's son. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. He laid down his life. He gave it freely of his own accord, his own free will. Continuing. Yeshua even rebuked Kepha, Peter, for trying to prevent his arrest in verse 54. And he said this. But if I did that, how can the passages in the Tanakh be fulfilled? That has this has to happen this way. Consider now all the times that some of the parishim, which are the Pharisees and the Torah teachers, and the other religious leaders tried to trap Yeshua in his words. He could have made them look foolish to the point of ridicule by the people, but he showed them grace and mercy. He just came, brought them to the point of showing them the error of their ways. Because you know what he desired? 
repentance. And you know what? He allowed his enemies to arise and fight another day. And they did that. They arose and they had, they made the place for him to be what? Executed on the execution stake. And they thought, well, we're doing this by our authority and by our power. No. Yeshua, God's representative of the Father, was laying down his life freely of his own will. Why? Because he loved us so. Think about that. He loves you. And when Hasatan, the devil, lies to you and saying that you've committed a sin against God that's unrepentable, that's not true. Because if you have a guilt in your heart that you've sinned against the Lord, that means that the spirit of the living God is moving upon your heart to bring you back into a relationship and fellowship with Abba, Father God. And it's only through Yeshua who prepared and made the way. It's only through Yeshua that we have salvation. There is no other way that any Jew or any person from any of the nations can come to know and receive their salvation. It is in and through Yeshua and him alone. Because through his blood sacrifice that we're cleansed and we've been purchased, we've been redeemed. It says in the scripture that Yeshua inscribes our names. That is, carves our names. That's not a tattoo. He inscribes our names upon his hands. And if you ever notice how a Jew prays, they pray what? With their hands open. So you can imagine Yeshua standing before the Father, in the presence of the Father daily, and reading all the names on his hands, and praying on our behalf that the Father's will would be done, and that we'd all be saved. Continuing, Yeshua did not come into the world to fight people. He did not come as a people, as the, the people of Israel expected the Messiah to come as a conquering king. He did not recruit people to become a conquering army that would overwhelm the nations by force. And there's a false teaching of dominionism that, are, that is attacking Messianic believers right now as an elder in this congregation, has been sharing with me, and yes, it is true. There are believers that believe that they're going to conquer the world in the name of Yeshua, name of Jesus, and that they're going to simply hand over the kingdom to him when he starts his millennial reign. That is not biblical. That is not part of God's plan. That is man in himself trying to walk in authority that is not given to them. That is a twisting of God's word. And you know who's the author of that? Hasatan. Because he's continuing to do what? Twist the scriptures that will get our focus off Yeshua and fulfill his will. It is simple. That's why we have to spend time studying what? The scriptures, both the Tanakh and the Brit Hadashah, so that we'll walk in unity in the full counsel of God. Amen? Amen. Continuing, instead, Yeshua taught the truths of the kingdom of Abba, Father God, in a meek and lowly manner, and eventually died on the execution stake as a suffering Messiah. Let us consider that as a result of his quiet and consistent procession along the path of obedience that his father called him to. He brought about eternal victory for us all. This is, this is the second part of a three-part sermon. So let us rejoice in the Lord our God and celebrate this time 
of his presence, Sukkot, Shabbat Shalom.